Today's our last day in the book of Hebrews. Let's check and see if there's people to, People go, yes! But I want to warn you that we will be ending on a bang and not a whimper. Because we're going to take a look at Hebrews 13, verse 17. It's a message about submitting to our leaders. Just what I wanted to hear. I'm sure that many of us will have a visceral reaction to this message and to these words. Your face may flush, and I'll know. Your teeth may grind. Your back might tighten, and your blood pressure may rise. Because Scripture teaches us about something that, quite frankly, is hugely unpopular. Not politically correct, and is quite countercultural. Of course, our social milieu, into which I'll be speaking these words, into which the Word of God stands, is one that is suspicious, if not outright hostile, to leadership. Especially the concept of submitting to leaders. It matters not which end of the political spectrum you are on. It could be Donald Trump. It could be Justin Trudeau. What kind of church you're from. It could be <coughs> Baker or Heibel's. We are living in the midst of a leadership crisis that has diminished our trust in leadership, and the concept of submitting to their authority. And yet I want to propose to you that God's word stands against the onslaught of the mess that we have made of authority and leadership and our call to submission. So in order for us to... Uh, better understand God's will as it relates to submission to authority, I'm, I'm going to propose or employ a metaphor uh, that I will be uh, touching back on throughout the sermon. And it is the Adidas soccer ball. This is the Adidas soccer ball that was chosen for the Russia 2018 World Cup. So you know that every four years, FIFA, which is the governing body of soccer, uh, runs a, um, a, a world competition that climaxes in what we call the World Cup, the most watched sporting event on the globe. FIFA, the organizing authority of soccer, chooses everything about the competition, but one of the things is they choose the soccer ball, right? And it has very strict rules about what that soccer ball is supposed to be like. 
the size of it, the pressure in the ball, the materials that, it, uh, that it's made of, all kinds of things, because they want consistency in the ball so that there's an equal playing field. In life, there is one governing authority, one entity who governs, who is the supreme and ultimate authority on life. He created life, he sustains life, and that, of course, is God. And that God has sanctioned, just as FIFA sanctions that Adidas ball, that God has sanctioned certain authorities in our world. God is the ultimate and supreme authority, and it is his purview, it is his privilege to establish what he wants to establish. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. He is the ultimate authority whom we submit to, and he will make your path straight. He's the best person to rely on for living life. He has designed life in such a way that if you submit to his authority, you will enjoy life to the full. And he has sanctioned five authorities that we are to submit to. your belts. Buckle it down. The first are the governing authorities. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which has, God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God, and consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so bring judgment on themselves, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but to those who do wrong. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. That's Paul writing to the Romans. I can see that some of you are fidgeting in your chairs already. <coughs> the second sanctioned authority is employers. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Some of your faces are getting flushed. Third, Husbands, wives, maybe we should have someone at the door. 
Wives, submit to yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. We'll get back to it, don't worry. Some of the wives here, I'm sure now, are looking for gum to chew on instead of ruining their teeth. Parents, it's a good thing the kids took a beeline out of here. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And finally, the fifth sanctioned authority are church leaders. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. All right, everybody take a deep breath. That is countercultural stuff, folks. That is stuff that probably is making you feel a little awkward right now. Let's think about the reasons why these words seem so awkward to us today. I've already suggested one reason, and that is that Humanity has abused those positions of authority to the point where we have lost confidence in them. But it goes much deeper than that. And, it, it, you know, it's really, it's always easier to point your finger and say, oh, those leaders, you know, I, they're the problem. But, you know, you need to look a lot closer <laughs> to see the root of your discomfort coming from the fact that your very nature, your natural self, has a problem submitting to authority. You come by it honestly. It didn't take long before the creation of the very first humans for them to rebel against authority. That authority was God. <laughs> I don't like submitting to your authority, God. I think I'll make the decisions for my life. Here's another reason why we have this visceral reaction to submitting to authority. First, there's a lot of leaders that have abused authority and screwed up the concept. Secondly, we by nature don't like submitting to authority. Thirdly, is this. We don't see eye to eye with God on this idea. And, and God knows that. He writes in his word that we don't share his thoughts. Our thoughts aren't his thoughts. His ways are different than our ways. Isaiah 55. But we have a problem. I have a problem separating authority from the concept.
concept of inequality. We assume that if someone is given authority, they are made unequal. You know, that's a problem because God doesn't see it that way. Just because you have authority doesn't mean that you're unequal. You're better than. Do you know that? Jesus Christ. What did he do on the cross? Not my will, but yours. Father? Is Jesus unequal to the Father? No. Each person of the Trinity is equal. Absolutely equal. They're all God. Jesus is God. God the Father is God. The Spirit is God. They're all equal. But Jesus submitted to the authority of his Father and went through with the painful death on the cross. You see, that is just a concept we can't get around our heads. As soon as we see somebody given authority, we see inequality. And that's not the way it is with God. These passages will prove that. Let's take a look at Ephesians 6.6. 6. I'll start with masters, do the same to them, which was meaning treat them with integrity. And stop threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with God. Whether you are the boss or you are the employee, you are equal in God's estimation. Authority does not equate to inequality. We've got to get that out of our heads because it's the source of our problem with authority. One of them. Galatians 3.28 There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither, neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are equal. There is equality amongst us. And so God requires us to submit to these five human authorities, not because he likes to give power to people and makes them unequal. But because they have been given a responsibility, a function, and that is to do His will and to fulfill His purposes. The soccer ball, FIFA. The soccer ball has to stay to the standard that FIFA has required. FIFA is the authority. Adidas and the ball has to submit to that authority because that ball plays an important role in the success of the World Cup. So there are conditions of endorsement, let's say. Adidas was sanctioned as the official ball 
these five authorities that God has set out have, been, have received his endorsement for his purposes. Let's just take a look at the govern, governing authorities. For We read it. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. To provide safety, security, to punish uh, those who are, um, you know, not obeying the laws. For just making sure the roads are paved. Uh, all manner of things, that's what the governing authorities are there for. And God has sanctioned their authority. Look at employers. Masters, uh, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And the passage goes on and it talks about how we uh, employers are to treat their employers with integrity. Now, it's just a commercial relationship between employers and employees. The employer needs the employee, and the employee needs the employer. The employer's got the money, the employee has the work. And so there is not to be an inequality. There is supposed to be integrity, and there is supposed to be trust. Husbands. Husbands. I, I've been forbidden from preaching on this passage, Ephesians 5, by young couples um, who are getting married. <laughs> they said, you're not preaching on Ephesians 5 in my wedding. And I don't, but... <laughs> Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. To be honest, ladies, I don't know if you hate that passage more than men do. Because men are being called to a standard that is scary. They are to love their wives like Christ loves the church. Do you know what Christ did for the church? He laid down his life for the church. I don't know why that's such a troublesome passage. I am called to serve my wife. I am called to live like Christ to my wife. I ask you, women, do you have a problem with how Christ treats you? Didn't we just talk about how much you love him? You love him, you love him, you love him. Why? Because he's all of these things. Well, husbands, that is the bar. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And quite frankly, we're not that great at it. We tend to be pretty self-centered. Sorry about that place. But it's true. And we look at a passage like that and say, See, <laughs> I get to do whatever I want to do. That's not it at all. At all. That's the polar opposite of God of the thought. You are to serve your wife. And so, yeah, you're the head. How are you the head? You are to be the initiator of a love relationship. You are to be the initiator of a serving, giving relationship. Wow. 
That's countercultural. Parents, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So children submit to the, the authority of their parents because they are the ones who are going to raise them up properly in the fear of the Lord. And then church leaders. We submit to the church leaders because they keep watch over us. They shepherd us. They guard us against negative influences or heresies that want to sneak into the church. They lead us into truth. And so you can see the authorities, these five authorities that are sanctioned, endorsed by God, are for our good. And yet, our back gets up. Our face flushes. We get anxious about that stuff. It's for our good. I love that all the parents. Hmm? What about the parents that... Let's continue. I'm not done. I'm halfway through the sermon. Come on, Crystal. <laughs> Your thinking's dead on here. I'm just a mess with you. Having said all that, we have to keep in mind that a leader's endorsement is always subject to the sanctioning authority. If FIFA starts to discover that those soccer balls Not quite the right size, a little smaller. The tear is a little shoddy. Not quite as heavy. Because you can make profit by reducing something very small, like in a very minute way, you can save millions of dollars. So let's say Adidas decides, ah, we got the endorsement. We have God's endorsement, not God, FIFA's endorsement. It's awesome. So then they say, oh, let's shade a little off here and there. Let's cut back a little bit here. Let's boost their profits. This is awesome. They will lose the endorsement. They lose the sanction. Okay? However, and this is where we have a problem. FIFA doesn't get rid of soccer balls and, re and introduce footballs. They just get a different... Soccer ball. You see, the soccer ball is not in question. It's the particular soccer ball that's in question. They'll just go to Nike and say, Nike, will you meet these specifications and introduce a ball for us to use in the World Cup? They don't get rid of the soccer ball. This is our problem in our culture today, is we're getting rid of the authority that's been sanctioned by God for these five authorities, and we are saying, nah, you don't have to submit to a government. I love that line, you know. I'm paying, I'm paying your wage, buddy. You do what I want you to do. Right? It doesn't work that way, really. So, individuals certainly can lose their endorsement. I want to take a look at some anecdotes. Because that's real. I said all I can say about authority.
being sanctioned by God, and that there are five of them, and that they have God's endorsement. Now I want to look at examples in the Bible of where people have lost their endorsement, or people were not held to submission to a particular authority. And then I'm going to give you just a few troubling examples from the word that will grade us the wrong way, to be honest, because we have this issue with submission to authority. First one, parameters of submission, the case for not submitting. Nebuchadnezzar is a king. There's these faithful Jewish men, Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't do what Nebuchadnezzar said because he said, you've got to make me your God. And they refused to do that. Threw them into a furnace. They didn't burn. Bring them out. Don't even smell like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar the king says, Praise be to God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were submissive to Nebuchadnezzar, even though he was you know, an ungodly guy who thought he was as good as God and should be worshipped. And they were submissive to him until he said, I will be your God. Lost the endorsement. Right? Lost the endorsement. Here's another one. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to earth. I did, these are Jesus' words, by the way. The Prince of Peace. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his very own household. What is Jesus talking about there? I thought he said, honor your parents. You don't honor your parents and submit to their authority if they're causing you to reject the authority, the ultimate and supreme authority of God. And that's what was going on there, especially in the early church. What, you become a Christian? You know, it was controversial to become a follower of Christ. And families were splitting over it. And so, a parent who was refusing a child entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that parent loses the sanction, loses the endorsement. Here's another one. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. <coughs> Wives, submit to your husband. If your husband, however, decides to be unfaithful and uh, runs around with women... You have, the, you have the right to reject and ask for a divorce. Because that husband's lost his endorsement by God. 
I'm going to close with two really difficult ones. The case for honoring God's endorsement. Paul writing to the Corinthians and some of the people that were becoming Christians were slaves. And so they're hearing stuff like you are, just like Dale saw. I'm no longer a slave. <laughs> right? I'm no longer a slave. I am free. Freedom. Right? And this is what Paul writes into that situation. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. Similarly, the one who is free from uh, free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person, as responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were when God called them. That's a tough one, right? They're saying, well, I'm free. And he's saying, well, you know what? You're talking about a freedom that's totally different. Right? You, you didn't get free from your master. You are free spiritually from Satan. And so people take that and they say, oh, you see, the, the Bible supports slavery. Well, no. Here's another example. There's this dude, Philemon. He's got a, Philemon, he's got a slave, Onesimus, who runs away. And he goes to hang out with Paul in Rome. And he's a huge support to the Apostle Paul while, while he's in jail. Or under house arrest. And Paul, even though he is hugely blessed by Onesimus, knows that there's an issue here. That this slave, who's a huge blessing to him, needs to go back to Philemon who was also a Christian and a slave owner. And this is what he says to him. He's writing to Philemon, I am sending him, who is my, my very heart, back to you. I would have killed to keep him. I would have killed... killed. <laughs> That's a funny slip, isn't it? I would have liked to keep, to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you would uh, not seem, any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is your very dear, he is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. He sends him back, and he appeals to Philemon. He says, let this guy go, you know. Don't make him a slave anymore. He's a brother in Christ. Let him go. But he says, but this is the critical piece. But he is your slave, and I respectfully, respectfully return him to you into slavery for you to make the decision, because you have the right to make that decision. Talk about countercultural. That's a tough one, right? 
Here's another one. Jesus is about to lambaste the Pharisees. You know that passage of scripture? Woe to you, Pharisees, you this, that, and the other. And he just lambastes these Pharisees. Listen to what he says in a, as a preamble to lambasting the Pharisees. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. You have to submit to them. But do not do what they do, for they don't do what they practice, or they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus endorsed the Pharisees while at the same time pointing out how they were so wrong. And yet he said, do what they tell you to do. You see, they weren't telling them to do the wrong things. They just weren't practicing those things themselves. They were hypocrites. So the word of the Lord for us today is from Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. This is in the church. They're sanctioned by God. They have my endorsement, God says. Right? They have my endorsement because they're supposed to keep watch over you as those who will give account and do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you either. We've got to be careful that we don't get sucked into the world's view and, and cynicism towards leadership. Um, yeah, there are people that will lose the endorsement who do not deserve our submission. Um, and God wants us to use his, his spirit within us to apply wisdom. There's no way I could give a long list of, uh, in this particular situation, you are required to or you're not required to submit. Like There's just principles laid down. The principles that we don't like to hear about are the fact that there are those five authorities that have been sanctioned by God. Some leaders blow it. They hurt us. They abuse their authority. And they lose that authority. However, that doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're still supposed to submit to the authorities that God has ordained. Right? Individuals will come and will go. God raises up Leaders, and then he says it's like grass that withers, and he kind of blows them away. Individuals are less important than following his word, which calls us to submit to these five authorities. And one of them is church. Here we are in a church. Here we are at the precipice of electing our new leaders we would do well to be obedient to the word of God 
and to submit to those leaders. Because Christ has put them in place for our own good. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Sometimes it is very hard for us to accept. Particularly when we have been let down so many times by people. But help us not to think that that undoes your perfect will and your purposes. Help us to trust that what you have sanctioned, what you have endorsed, the authorities that you have put in place are for our own good. And we pray for our leaders that they would follow, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, that they would follow your precepts in leading us, to lead us for our own good. And yeah, Lord, give us wisdom in situations that require great wisdom when we are called to no longer submit to authority. <clears throat> Authorities that you have ordained, um, help us to know when it's right and when it's wrong. Help us not to become cynical of what you've established, <coughs> but to be wary, yes. Careful, yes. And do what you want us to do. We submit to you the supreme authority. We understand that all that you've established is for our own good. Amen. All right, have a great day. God bless you all.